Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, the assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. It is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Two days away. From the ALDS getting started in Houston. Astros taking on Mount Visits and Carlos Correa. Three days away from seeing if C.J. Stroud can win three games in a row for the Houston Texans and stay in first place in the AFC South. It is shaping up to be a great sports weekend in Houston. Dusty Baker meeting with the media a little bit earlier today. Blankers has announced his Game 1 and Game 2 starters. And Dusty Baker says he's not doing what the Killer Bees want. He's going Justin Verlander in Game 1, Fromber Valdez in Game 2. Little surprising, but yet it's not. I mean, if Dusty's going to Dusty with his veterans, then Dusty's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, I think we all were in complete agreement that we thought Fromber would be the the uh, the game one starter, but I like the way <clears throat> excuse me the pitching matchups match up for the Astros, so I'll take it. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, I was a little surprised when it came out and and JV was on the hill for the first one. Yes, I look the Astros have a one A one B situation. Like they have two starters that they feel are aces of their staff. They feel very good about Fromber. They feel very good about Justin Verlander. Ultimately, you probably go with like the steady hand. We talk about how Fromber at times can show his old wild horse traits and uh, attributes. I think Fromber at this stage of their careers right now, today, is a better pitcher than Justin Verlander. Now, Verlander's numbers would argue with that because Verlander actually has a better ERA this year than Fromber Valdez does, although it's close. So, like, this is a clear... These are our top two. This is a 1A. This is a 1B situation, however you draw it up. Quite frankly, I don't like the decision. Like, am I going to die on this hill? No. Hopefully it doesn't even matter. Hopefully you don't get to a fifth game against the Minnesota Twins. But as you look at the schedule and the days off between Game 1, Game 4, Game 1, Game 5, it's likely that whoever is starting in Game 1 is going to pitch twice in a five-game series if it goes five games. Now, there's the possibilities of your game one starter could come back on short rest for game four. Not something that I'm a huge fan of, especially if it's the 40-year-old Justin Verlander. You always have the possibility of a rainout, like we saw that with Lance McCullers in Chicago, right? Where he wasn't going to pitch in game four, but because of a rainout, they moved the game to the travel day. Now it's normal rest. Lance McCullers, how about you go game four instead of game five? Yay, that sounds good. Astros win, but his elbow has never been the same. So, Personally, I look at this as which guy would you rather start twice if necessary in the five-game series? And quite, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Quite frankly, I'd rather that be from Bravaldez. Now, knowing that the opponent is the Minnesota Twins, I double down that I'd rather it be from Bravaldez. Because if you look at the Minnesota Twins offensively, they hit righties better than they hit lefties. So if there's a virtual tie at the top of the rotation with Fromber and Justin Verlander, why not play the matchups here and go with the, the lefty and Fromber, which the Twins don't hit as well? Yeah, no, it was a bit surprising to me. And again, I'm with you in the fact that, if nothing else, the first thing I looked at was the ability to have one of these guys pitch twice. And as good as Verlander can be outside of the World Series, and we've talked about all of that, the pitcher more in his prime, the pitcher more ready to compete with his best stuff is going to be, in my opinion, from Valdez. Now, you look at it and say, okay, well, the devil's advocate side can say, look, Verlander's last two starts in, in basically must-win situations, 
He was big for you. He stepped up big. He did everything that he was supposed to do at the right time of the year. You hope that continues because you obviously aren't going to change Dusty's mind. But when looking at it, I completely agree with you. I thought that Framber Valdez would be the guy that I'd want to get the two starts in a five-game series. I thought that his stuff would compete better. I thought that the lefty aspect was something that I also looked at. But overall, I just feel like when he's dialed into his stuff with his, his best stuff right now, his best stuff is better to me than Justin Verlander's best start stuff at this point in his career, and that's the way I would have leaned. Um, you have DK here saying that uh, it sets you up for Fromber in Game 1, JV Game 2 in the ALCS if you win. There's two things I don't like about that viewpoint. The first one is you can't just guarantee that you're through the postseason. You need to do what is the best interest of your team in each and every round. Look, I, I think that Dusty thinks that Justin Verlander is the better option, so I'm not saying that Dusty's looking ahead at all. The second part that I, I don't love about this uh, this thought, this opinion, this take from DK is Game 1 and Game 2 of an ALCS is not that much different. Like, if you're starting Game 1, you're starting Game 2, you're also now going to... The Game 1 starter is going to start Game 5 of an ALCS, and the Game 2 starter is going to start Game 6 of an ALCS. So both of those starters are going to start in two games no matter what. It's different in the ALDS because the Game 1 starter... Now, what's interesting about this is because of the off days between Games 2 and Game 3, between Game 4, between game four and Game 5... The, the number two starter is actually available for game five as well. So if Justin Verlander gets rocked, Fromber Valdez pitches a gym, Fromber would be fully rested to make the flip-flop in game five. I just don't think that you set out a rotation where Verlander goes game one, Fromber goes game two, and then you're flip-flopping them later in the series. Again, not a hill that I, I'm going to die on. This isn't something that I hope comes into play, because if you win the series in four, this is a moot point. It's 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 irrelevant, because neither starter has to pitch in, that fifth, in the fifth game, and I don't think either one of these guys was going to come back on short rest. If I had to pick one guy to come back on short rest, it'd be the you know the guy that's built a little bit better, the guy who's a little bit younger in Framber Valdez, which is another point where he could go game one, game two, although I'm not even toying with the idea of, of Framber on short rest. No, and it goes back initially to the point you made, which is they're in the luxury situation that not a lot of teams have where you have two guys you could choose from. That's, that's great, but you also strategically want it. The one thing I didn't like about the text is the fact that I'm not looking ahead to the next series. I, I'm just not. I, I'm not going to look that far ahead because Minnesota is, is, a, is a solid opponent, and you've got to do everything to beat the Twins first and foremost. I'm not worried about setting up anything just quite yet till I see how the early stages of this series play out. I honestly think that Fromberg gives you the best chance to, to get out to a good start and send a message uh, and maybe possibly end this series a little earlier if you're the Astros, and then you can start planning for that. But again, Dusty's going to Dusty, and, and we know he leans the veteran way, and, and we'll just yeah. see how it goes. But it's a good situation in that the guy he's choosing isn't a guy that a lot of people would go, ooh, I don't like that at all. It's just of the two guys, I would have leaned from. They feel like they have two aces, and mm-hmm. I think that you're right, that, that Dusty went with the 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 experience. He went with the veteran more. I mean, Fromber's had a lot of big games too, but, but Verlander's pitched like a full season worth of playoff games in his Major League Baseball career. Now, the, the pitching probables are, we feel like we can guess them. Uh, the Minnesota general manager had a press conference today. He, he didn't tip his hand on who's going to pitch game one. I think it's pretty obvious who's pitching game two and game three for Minnesota. Pablo Lopez, who started game one of the wild card series, he'll pitch game two against Fromber. So maybe it's kind of good that Fromber goes up against Lopez. And then Sonny Gray is going to be the game three starter because he pitched the second game of the wild card series. Now, again, 
because of the way the days off, the, the way that the uh, the off days are situated in the ALDS, Pablo Lopez can be the game two starter, but still start twice in this series. So you could see Lopez and Gray combine for three starts. Lopez two of them, Gray one. Their game one starters up in the air. They had Joe Ryan penciled in to start the game three in the wild card series. There's some thought that maybe they go with Bailey Ober instead. Bailey Ober has a little bit better numbers. Uh, both of them are righties. Both of them have reverse splits. And I think game one's critical whenever you look at the ALDS and because of the wild card round. The fact that Minnesota has to wait a game before the top of their rotation right. pitches, Pablo, their number one guy, game two, Sonny Gray, their number two guy in game three, I think it's pretty critical to, to get game one. I think it adds well, emphasis to the team that's already in the division series, didn't have to go through the wild card round to win the first game. You, you send the message early too, right? There's a lot of different factors that factor into this is one, you're at home. You know you struggled at home early on, but if you can get the game at home and you get it against the, the pitching matchup that leans your way, now in a shorter series, you send the message and, and you set the tone for the rest of the series that you're in control of this thing because you know that you know you don't want to give up one of these first two. You don't want to lose control whether you believe that they don't need the home field or not. And there's some people out there that aren't too worried about home field because of how badly they played during the regular season. Playoffs are a different animal. I fully expect that this team is not is going to be over that home woes thing that was going on in the regular season. But it's essential that you set the tone early and, and, and you get out and make a statement and take care of your business on your home diamond. And I think that they're set up to do that because they have an advantage in game one pitching-wise, because they are at home. But if you slip up in any way, shape, or form, you don't like the fact that Sonny Gray is sitting there in game three and that it all kind of, all of that goodwill that you built up by winning the division and getting to avoid the wild card and blowing some pitching, it all gets out thrown out the window at that point, and now it's an advantage to the Twins. Yeah, I think that uh, game ones of the division series have more emphasis than ever before because of the wild card round. Like you get the leg up on the ace, but if you don't take advantage of that game one, now you're looking down the barrel of an 0-1 deficit, and then the other team has their number one starter and their number two starter ready to go and, in game two and game three. And they got Big Mo on their side because they're riding the momentum of saying, "Hey, we just dusted through the the wild card round. We're rolling now, and now we beat their ace at their place. Mm -hmm. They're feeling good the rest." of the series. I remember this last year with Seattle because remember they were they were winning. They were winning until Jordan Alvarez hit the big home run in the bottom of the ninth. Like you thought that you were an out or two away from looking down the barrel to no yep. one deficit and Luis Castillo was going the very next day, the, the Seattle A. So the emphasis of game one is large. I would have preferred Framber Valdez. Uh, the Astros going with uh, Justin Verlander. You still hope that that's good enough against either Joe Ryan uh, or Bailey Ober. Now, there's some other questions that come into play. Like, if Justin Verlander's starting, that probably means Mauricio Dubon's playing, right? Like, if Mauricio Dubon's playing, is Chaz McCormick playing left field? If Chaz McCormick's playing left field, what's the status of a Michael Brantley? What's the status of a, of a Yiner Diaz? Uh, Dusty had a quote uh, about... Michael Brantley earlier today says he's not sure how much he'll be able to use Michael Brantley in the postseason. It all depends on how his body feels after each game. He's my Kawhi Leonard. Now, Dana Brown also said that Brantley's good to go. Brantley's going to be on the roster. It is going to be very curious to see how they use Michael Brantley in the postseason and seeing how his body responds. Now, if he's not able to play, like the Astros still have the fallback option of Yiner Diaz because sure. we know he's not catching. Right. No, you're absolutely right. But at the same time, 
no one wants a Kawhi Leonard situation for one of your important players. You don't want to sit there and literally be day-to-day. You don't want to sit there and do what Dusty indicated to you, which is we'll see how it goes after game one. He may have that soreness back again, and then we'll have to adjust. Yes, you have an insurance policy, but really the way Michael Brantley late in the season when he did come back, again, showed you how important he can be to this lineup because he is a hit waiting to happen. He is a guy that has been there, done that, and continues to rake American League pitching and do what you you would love to see any guy do as a veteran coming into your lineup however long he's been out. It's scary. No one doubted that he would be on the roster, but I think we all have some serious doubts about how many times and how many games he's going to be able to play along the way as this roster goes forward. I'm assuming he'll be there in game one, and then they'll see how he feels, but it makes you feel a little uneasy that he's not going to be available for every single game or the majority of the games in this playoff run. Dan Hayes of The Athletic covers the Twins. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the uh, hour. Lee Sterling will be joining us at 4 o'clock. He's got some winners that he's willing to hand out to you. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports at 4. Bad Tate Boulevard, did you make the list this week? Coming up at 4.30. And also, which category do the Texans fall into relative to the rest of the NFL? 713-780-ESPN. How you feeling about Game 1, Game 2, JV versus probably Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, uh, Fromber Valdez Game 2 against Pablo Lopez, and then more than likely Christian Javier Game 3 against Sonny Gray. 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been telling you for a while now that Gentle Ben is... Is great. It all starts with the finest ingredients, classic, time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness and heat that's found in most spirits. In fact, most spirits go to Gentle Ben to use that innovative process, a little secret that not many people know about. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor with none of the burn. Gentle Ben takes away the bite, takes away the burn, and allows for an enjoyable drinking experience. Gentle Ben offers the vodka, the gin, straight bourbon, cast drank bourbon, all are fantastic, all are in my rotation. What's in your rotation? The next time you head to dinner, go to your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Ben. Look for Gentle Ben at whatever liquor store you go to. If you're looking for plans, head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room. If you're going to Minute Maid Park anytime soon, stop by the Gentle Ben Bar and pick up some Gentle Ben. Also, for the first time ever, just head over to GentleBen.com. You can order straight from the website. Click on the vodka, click on the gin, click on the bourbon, put it in your cart, Order it, and they'll deliver it right to your doorstep. You don't have to lift a finger. Gentle Ben comes straight to your door at GentleBen.com. Gentle Ben, three parts crap. and murderous jays. He's blank. I'm Branham. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, 1655. Maybe Dusty looked at who's umpiring in the first two games since Fromber is known to lose his cool over calls. I don't believe that uh, the umpire assignments are known yet. I don't think that they come out until the night before or even the day of. So I don't think that the whoever's calling the game had anything to do uh, with Dusty Baker's decision to who would start game one, game two. Justin Verlander going game one. Fromber's going game two. 8-4-3-7. I've seen too many anger issues from Fromber this season to see him as my 1A. I see playoff Dusty has made his comeback and made the best decision on this. Uh, just my opinion, though. Okay. 
It's kind of interesting because I have seen a little bit more wild horse with Fromber this year than last year. The the consistency with the quality starts last year was you know was unheard of. This year we haven't seen that as much. Uh, do you believe that Dusty is making this decision a little bit with the anger issues of Fromber Valdez in mind? I don't. I I don't think that at all. I think that Dusty Baker to me is the guy that we've talked about that believes the back of the baseball card, mm-hmm. that remembers the back of the baseball card, and that's something that he's not going to sway from no matter how much the last couple of years of your baseball card is maybe a little different than when all those numbers looked really, really, really good. And I believe that he knows what Justin Verlander has done for him. He knows what Justin Verlander has done for this organization. And I think kind of to what you were leading into as well when we were talking about last segment is experience matters to Dusty Baker. Playoff experience means more. And then the fact that when you've been to the mountaintop and you've been a reason why and taken him there, he's not going to change his opinion. He knows that Fromber has talent. He knows that Fromber is a key cog in what they're doing. But in his mind, and I'm not speaking for him, it's just my impression of the way he looks at this. Justin Verlander is still a Cy Young Award winner in his mind. And if he's going to have some guy that he's going to go to war with and win or lose, you know, live or die with, he's going to put JV out there first. 713-780-3776. I, I don't think so either. I think it's more back a baseball card. And look, quite frankly, Justin Verlander's like, you know, traditional pitching stats are better than Fromber's this year. Justin Verlander has a better ERA than Fromber. He's got a better whip. Whip than Fromber does as well. Uh, 0423, this might be a question you love. Should Astro fans give Correa a standing ovation before his first at bat in a postseason game at Minute Maid Park as a visitor? I, I don't know standing ovation. I mean, you can. I think you can applaud for the guy. You can definitely, you can definitely support the guy in his first at bat of a playoff series as a tip of the cap and a thank you for all that he's done for this city and this organization. And then I think we're done with it at that point. It's like you know whether or not you do the tribute video. There are guys that deserve it. There are guys that don't. What he did for this franchise while he was here is worthy of a tip of the cap in his first at bat in Minute Maid in a playoff game. And then you're done. Rhino, he already uh, got all that stuff. Hard pass. Rhino says that uh, he's the enemy. Uh, Poncho says that uh, golf clap for Correa. My stance on this is if you're buying tickets to go to the game, you can do whatever the heck you want. If you want to give a standing ovation for Carlos Correa, I'm not going to tell you how to behave whenever you've purchased tickets to go to that game. If, unless you're like, cursing out kids and women or punching other people. I really don't care what you do in the stands as long as it doesn't turn violent or cross the line. I don't care if you're doing a wave. I don't care if you're rooting for the other team. I don't care if you're giving a standing ovation for Carlos Correa. If you spend your hard-earned money to go to the ballpark, you can do whatever you want within means. And those means, I'm pretty loose with those means. Don't hurt anybody. Don't yell at women and children. And don't act a fool. I don't care if you're giving a standing ovation to Correa. I don't care if you're doing the wave. Uh, don't also reach over and, and, and if you're with a home run. Nether, nether very, 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 yeah. very, very. Now, good if you way. want to run on the field and get tackled by security, I'm okay with that. Yeah, now there's there's repercussions for that. Yeah, but like but, that's your decision. But they're great decisions. videos. I hate when people tell people how to fan. I really, like, yeah, it, 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 was it all aggravates over, me. It was all over Twitter yesterday. It's like, if you boo Carlos Correa, you're not a real fan. He's not on the team. You can, like, everyone loves Carlos Correa for what he did here, what he means. But, like, he's... The enemy. Sure, but if you want to give him a standing ovation and Go spend $150, it. do it. If you want to boo him after spending $150, do it. Like, Let fans fan however they want. Stop telling people how to fan. Yeah, I think the bigger thing is when you look at it, you, you, he's coming into your building, and he meant a lot to a lot of people here. And he did a lot of things while he was here. 
I don't think, you know, I saw a lot of people like, you know, not not borderline, not threat threats, but saying you better not or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. The bottom line is he deserves it. And he touched a lot of people's sports fandemonium during a, the golden year, era of Houston Astros baseball. If people want to to applaud for him when he steps into the batter's box, I think it's fine. Standing ovation, I think it'd be a bit much, but. I'm fine with giving him a, 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 his applause and his due when he steps into the batter's box. I I'm a Correa it, fan. I'll root for him, but not in this series. I obviously. do think it would be funny if everyone started yelling cheater at him, though. No, I can't do that. <laughs> it would just be funny. <laughs> just to see like the reaction, the meltdown from like Yankees Twitter, if Astros fans started yelling cheater at Carlos Correa, would be one of the funniest things on social media. 3667, he chose to leave. He's the enemy now. Uh, screw that guy. Look, I get it, but you're allowed to have that mindset, especially if you're going to the ballpark. Like, if you go to the ballpark and you want to bring a sign that says, you know, screw you, and, you know, chasing money and boo him, cool. But if the guy sitting next to you wants to applaud him, let him. Like, he's spending money just like you're spending money to to express your free speech. I want to beat him. Same. And, and, and I want them to win the series, but I'm also not going to be that dude that that suddenly you know wants to crap all over the guy and and you know if you appreciate him as a player you appreciated him when he wore your uniform and he didn't do anything since then to you know like a bad guy or a bad person or do things off the field or anything like that to where you know you have a different opinion of him there's no problem with giving him an ovation. few questions here from uh, Chandler Roman, the Athletic, uh, that Dana Brown and the Astros are going to have to consider uh, before announcing their roster Saturday. Now, Dana Brown spoke today. Uh, Dusty Baker spoke today, and they've kind of answered some of these questions, like carry two or three catchers. Dana Brown's tenor of his voice makes it seem like they're going to carry two, which eliminates the idea of Salazar. We've talked about you know how much can Michael Brantley handle. It kind of depends on Michael Brantley. Dusty called him his own Kawhi Leonard. Like However he feels in the morning is going to kind of dictate if Michael Brantley's in the lineup or not. Uh, one of them here is, like, who's the late-game base runner? Like, if you have a situation where Jordan's on base, or you pinch running to Dubon, or you pinch running to Myers, maybe it's a, you know, Malden, well, Maldonado probably not coming out of a game if he's reaching base late, uh, but like a pinch-running situation. Like, quite frankly, I don't trust Myers, and I don't, I don't trust like Dubon. It. I was going to say, I, don't, I think Dubon, I believe Dubon is, I, I believe he's faster on the bases. Ooh. I think he's faster on the bases. I don't know what the you know what the zero to forty in whatever seconds looks like or zero down the baseline looks like. I think the way he runs the bases, he seems okay. Let's put it this way: even if it's a push and they're just as fast, I'm curious now. I think Dubon is a little bit more intelligent on the base paths than than Jake uh, Myers. See, I think they're equally dumb on the base pass in opposite ways. I just don't trust Jake Myers on the base. How many pass times were you shoot? I don't either. Like, let me let me be very clear. I'm not I'm not pooing on what you're saying. I also do not believe in Jake Myers on the base pass. I think both of them are fast. Uh, who cares if like their sprint, their sixty time, but they're both fast. Jake Myers is aloof and not very smart on the bases. I think Mauricio Dubon is aggressive yeah, and not very smart on the bases. Like they're they're both fast, but I think they're equally bad base runners for two totally different reasons. See, I, I'll take I'll, I'll take in a lot of cases uh, in the ability to be aggressive because you can still, you know, you can go for it and there are ways that you can still whether it's a bad throw or whatever like that, you're forcing the issue to where the percentages can ha- also still lean your favor a little bit. But to what Jake does where he's a deer in the headlights and he just freezes up or, you know, he just kind of looks like he's so confused throughout the play. I don't want that in playoff baseball when every little move matters and a play like that could be the difference between either a lead or a loss or everything in between. I don't want that. I'd rather just keep Jordan in the game that way. If the game for some reason gets tied and goes extras, I don't lose Jordan's bat. Like, I just keep Jordan in. And then the other question is going to be, do the Astros carry 12 or 13? 
Look, the more and more that I, I look at this, the more and more deep dive I take, I think if the Astros carry 12 pitchers, John Singleton makes the roster, Hunter Brown does not. If they carry 13 pitchers, Hunter Brown makes the roster, and John Singleton does not. I think it comes down to that last decision. Ultimately, and you know, most teams keep 12 in, an, in a division series. I think they're going to go against the grain and keep 13 yeah, pitchers. It, it, here's the other thing, too. I, I think that, in my opinion, it all depends on Michael Brantley's health. If Michael Brantley is health healthy enough, he's to gonna play, be he's gonna be on the roster. And he's gonna be on the roster that I don't think you need John Singleton, because I think if they're resting him or he is a little sore, that probably means he doesn't start, but that doesn't preclude him for, pre- preclude Dusty from going, you know what, but later in the game, I need a bat in a certain situation, whether it's powerful in a single singleton situation or not. I'm gonna trust Michael Brantley to do something to get a hit or get on base more than John Singleton. I'm not doing that, and if Yiner is not going to be starting, Yiner also gives you the Papa John Singleton. I'll take that, and I'll leave Singleton off the the, the roster. Yeah, I do too. And if Brantley ultimately gets hurt where he can't play the rest of the series, then you just you make the switch because you, you can do that. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Dan Hayes covers the Minnesota Twins for the Athletic. We're going to go behind enemy lines with Dan. Learn a little bit about this Minnesota Twins team. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie. I've been telling you about MyBookie for a long time. MyBookie, best in the business and when you want to make a bet because they take care of their customers every step of the way. They take care of you by making sure your money is safe and secure. They make sure that they pay you when you win. And the big thing is they always have all these different promos and things going on where you can catch some better odds or you can catch a great deal like they're doing now where you get that added bonus. You get a renewal bonus. If you've been a loyal customer and been on MyBookie before and you want to reload your account, if you're signing up for the first time, they have the initial sign-up bonus that you get. If you either situation, if you put at least fifty bucks in your account, they'll give you an extra two hundred instantly in your in your account to spend and use to bet on games. And if you bet that money at least one more time, you're free to take it out, do with it as you wish, and it's your winnings. It's absolutely fantastic. It's a way that you can have more money in your account, so more games you can bet on and more chances to actually cash out and get money for you to spend. It's fantastic. They take care of you, but you got to remember this promo code, BET975. It's the code you have to use to get the bonus. Whether you're new or renewing, use the promo code when you put the money in. That's going to be what gets the money in your account instantly and allows you that extra cash to bet with. It's absolutely fantastic. And by the way, they also have not just football, college football and pro and the baseball playoffs. They have soccer, UFC, and so much more. Basically, if there's a sport going on and you want to bet on it, there's a chance that you could bet on it right there at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code BET975. And also remember, live dealers standing by with casino games, if there's no games that interest you or no games being played, that doesn't mean that the fun doesn't have the fun doesn't have to stop. You can do it all night long, and you can do it at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code bet nine seven five and do what I always tell you: bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag and ninety two five. Let's go straight out to the HRP guest line. Being joined by Dan Hayes, covers the Minnesota Twins for the Athletic. Dan, thanks for taking a few minutes to preview the Astros Twins. ALDS gets started in Houston on Saturday. Is it fair to call this wild card series victory kind of a microcosm of the Twin season, where you get really good pitching and enough offense to carry you through? Yeah, I, I think it absolutely has been that way. Um, you look at what they were. Coming in, and there was a point in early in the second half where the offense really had picked it up, uh, but and the pitching sort of slumped a little bit. But um, I, I think over the last month they've been able to do so many things because they had their way with AL Central 
and set themselves back up, and they took full advantage of that. You know, whereas Houston is until that final day, not knowing if they're going to get the division or end up in the wild card. Um, the, the Twins had a, a chance to just set things up and rest guys. Um, they worked back three guys in their bullpen. You know, Chris Paddock is, hasn't pitched yet, but they, they built him up to be a two to three inning guy out of the bullpen as he rehabbed from Tommy John. Brock Stewart got a chance to come back and, and take his time and ease in. Louis Barland uh, converted from a starter into a reliever. They took all these guys and they basically worked them in easily and, and, and got them into a spot where they can be really good. And I mean, you look at what the bullpen did in this series. It was just electric. Um, they're just bringing in guys, you know, Chandler Rome, my, uh, my athletic, uh, cohort, uh, covers the Astros texted me yesterday. to be like, who is this Barlin guy? You know, he's just <laughs> pumping in hundred mile per hour fastballs with the cutter at 92. So pitching has really been good. Uh, this is a team that used to pitch to contact. That was always their philosophy this year. Uh, they ended up 15th all time in, in uh, pitching staff strikeouts. It's, this is not your father's twins, essentially. Um, and it's really been impressive to see what they can do. Not, I, you know, Toronto, not the best offense. They, they struggled a lot this year. They have so many stars and a really, when you look at it, a really impressive lineup. But obviously they've had their issues. Otherwise they would have won more games and maybe won the, the, the East. But um, the Twins certainly handled them. Dan, I'm curious. The Royce Lewis story is phenomenal. And you know, a former 1-1 overall, and much like the Astros fans kind of, they, they've seen Jordan Alvarez's share of injuries, and they, they cringe because they know how important that he can be and how devastating he can be if he's not in the lineup. And, and I got to believe from a Twins fan's perspective, this is the guy that, you know, you've been waiting to see since they drafted him and go, if he just stays healthy, you are a little uneasy, but how big of a, of a momentum swing has it been to see this guy when he's in the lineup and what he's able to do? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the story is incredible because we uh, we were spring training in 2021, and he's checking into camp, and he finds out they tore his ACL in the off season. So his 2021 season gets wiped out. Right? Uh, he works his way back. He gets the majors. This is a guy who hasn't played because of the pandemic. Um, he was at that summer camp that whole year. The last time he had really played. Uh, going into the start of the 2022 season was at the Arizona Fall League in 2019, and he was the MVP of that. He had finally, you know, turned this corner, and then the pandemic hits, and he doesn't get to make his debut. He almost made his debut in that uh, brief wild card series in 2020 with the Astros, but the, the Twins decided to hold him back from that. Um, he comes back in 2022 after a two-year layoff, has this incredible run at AAA. They promote him. He comes up, he's incredible at the big leagues. You can look at his 2022 numbers. They were outstanding at both levels and not having hit in two years. He tears his ACL again, mm. making a play in center field, out for the whole year. He came back one year to the day on May 29th, and you guys actually saw it. He came back and returned to the field this year at Houston. And uh, what did he do in the first game? Oh, he, he hits a three-run homer uh, to right field. And then he had the game time single off Ryan Presley, forced extras, and Twins win that game. That's just like this guy, the story's incredible. I mean, you look at game one there, guy. Okay? He had been out of the lineup for 13 days because of his uh, hamstring. He had heard it in Cincinnati. They weren't sure if he's going to play or not. He probably will only be a DH in this series, just like he was in the two games against Toronto, because he's, he's limited. But he comes out first at bat, works count full, hits a home run. Second at bat, hits a home run. It, it's 
it's one of those stories that's just incredible the way that he has found um, in his limited time a way to make such an impact. And I'll tell you what, the, as far as the, the person there, uh, he's fascinating because he just doesn't ever show doubt. He doesn't ever show like he's down. For a guy, I, I visited him when he was rehabbing the first time from ACL. I went to Florida to go see him, and, you know, it's 95 degrees. You're in the dog days of your, your recovery. You're, you're not even to the point where they're letting you run yet, and, and he was just upbeat as possible. And, it, it, like, you wonder where, where it all comes from, and, and it's just a um, fascinating guy to kind of see. And, and when he does what he does on the field, it, it just makes the story that much better. Dan Hayes joining us on the HRP guest line covers the Twins for the Athletic. You, you mentioned uh, his hamstring limited to some DH duty. Uh, Duran had the thumb issue yesterday, but pitched the ninth and looked effective. Correa into the regular season had the plantar fasciitis, got hit in the finger yesterday. They say the X-rays are negative, and then the Byron Buxton situation as well. Uh, what's the latest on all the injury news for the Twins? Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't count. Uh... The tackle that uh, Griffin Jack. <laughs> That's right. Field, That's our, our guy's son, too, Biggio. That's the way the Biggios yeah. play. Hey, Griffin Jackson's dad played in the NFL for the Cardinals <laughs> and the Cowboys. He apparently can take a hit. But, um, yeah, you know, the Twins are definitely a little beat up. I don't know that Byron Buxton will play. He is trying like crazy. He said during the first round he knows that he's not playing at his full capability and he doesn't want to hinder the team. So he's just to keep working hard to try and get back. His knee is the he went on the aisle with a hamstring issue on August one, but his knee uh, continues to be kind of the biggest hindrance for him. Um, we'll see, but you know, with Royce Lewis, he's picked up the slack and, and taken over that lineup. And and really, as much as Buxton um, is a big loss, they they found a way to to play without him. Correa would be much more difficult to handle. Um, he did seem very did not show any sign that that you know he took the pitch. I think when the X-rays came back and showed there was no fracture, he felt pretty good. So, and you guys know him. I mean, he plays through anything. He he just he works hard. Uh, October is his time, and um, you know the plantar fasciitis does not seem to be an issue because. Earlier this year, you'd have to believe what he said, but he said he was slow as, you know, a good word there. And, uh, he uh, His sprint speed was down to 26.5 feet per second, which is like a full foot below his normal pass numbers. Yesterday, uh, you know, he, he'd, let me go back here. On the 18th of September, he tried to chase down a pop-up, and he felt the heel pop. And apparently, that's a good thing. It's the breaking of that plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Like it, it actually is a, a good development. They, they've talked about it uh, a bunch with us, how it means that it's going to heal better because you're just waiting for that. I mean, Michael Kadire, I was talking to him earlier today, he played for three years with plantar fasciitis, and he went out of his way to try to get that pop, and he could never get it. He had heard about it, and he wanted it. Ferreira got it, and yesterday, going down the line, he had an infield single, and he was 28-7 down the line. We saw him make the run in game one from um, deep shortstop to over to third base to pick up the ball that got by Jorge Polanco and he made that amazing play at the plate. Um, you know, if this was not Minnesota, if this was New York, they'd be calling that play like a Derek Jeter type play for the postseason. Yeah. Um, but he's been running hard. He's running as well as he has all year. And, you know, now all that needs to happen is it's hit for power because he had three hits in the series and 
know, he had a really rough season this year um, at the plate with plantar fasciitis. Like, you know, he career low OPS plus. I think it was ninety four, so he's below average. But he's been playing through it all the way, and and now you know, if the finger is fine, um, he should be in really good shape. Well, Dan, I'm curious if the tw- if the Twins are to win this series. What what has to happen for, for Minnesota? What is the key to victory for the Twins in this series? Is it your starting pitching because you obviously don't get your ace in game one? Is it that offensive lineup and keeping Lewis hot? What's the key to victory if the, if for the Twins? Yeah, I think it's going to be that the offense has to find a way. I'm not worried about the pitching. Uh, even with, you know, right now they're tossing around the idea of either Joe Ryan or Bailey over. Uh, maybe even Kenta Maeda could start game one. Um, but you know, that that won't matter as far as pitching. I, I think they've got a really good staff, um, one through 12 or 13, whatever they choose to go with. You know, they've six guys that can throw 98 and above out of the bullpen. They, they feel very good about protecting leads, and we saw that against Toronto. It really is going to come down to, can anybody besides Lewis really deliver some hits? And Correa getting one yesterday with the bases loaded was big. Uh, they need some of their other guys to step up. If you guys recall in 2020, the Twins, I think, scored uh, two runs. I think it was nine to two Astros over the two games. Twins had like seven hits in the series, and Nelson Cruz had five of them. And it, it just can't be a one-man band, I think, for them to uh, win this series. I Look, the Astros get their, their time to be lined up and, and be you know, everything they want. They get a chance to rest. Um, Potentially, the Twins might have been better off facing them in the wild card because of how much the Astros had to exert just to get through the final day. No, nobody would have really been fresh. This will be a much different team. Um, but I think also the fact that they got the 18-game losing streak off their uh, minds and, and then won their first playoff series tomorrow, it'll have been 21 years since they'd won a playoff series. Not, not like, you know, advance, uh, like to the ALCS or the World Series. 21 years since they've been able to win a series. It's just incredible how bad this has been. Um, getting all that stuff out of the way, that was huge for them and their confidence. I don't know if facing Houston in that regard would have been great because, you know, it's, it's the defending champs, and I think the fans would have been a lot more nervous than, say, Toronto. But um, they're in a good place to come in here and, and face the Astros. It's going to be the biggest challenge they'll faced all year, but I think, you know, they're in about as good a position to take on that challenge. It'll be a lot of fun. Dan, really appreciate the conversation. Good stuff and safe travels to Houston. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Dan Hayes covers the Minnesota Twins for The Athletic. I want to react to some of what he had to talk about. Their game one starter, Ryan Ober, Maeda. <laughs> game one, it's not a must win, but you got to get ahead one nothing if that's some sort of combination or one of those three guys. Said he's not worried about the pitching, but you got to get offense from Minnesota. Where does that come from? Also, all of you have been begging us to talk Astros this week, which rightfully so. Playoffs begin this weekend for the Astros. So let's do a mailbag. Monday, on a Thursday, about the Astros. Whatever you want to ask us about the Astros, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Houston Cougars are playing football a week from 
tonight. Some Thursday night action at TDECU. Coach Dana Holgerson takes on his former team, the West Virginia Mountaineers, a week from tonight, October 12, 6 p.m. at TDECU Stadium. Expect an unforgettable night of college football action. Those Thursday night games just hit a little bit different. It's our blackout game, too, celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. You get a ticket and a black t-shirt for just $20. That's right. You get a ticket and we're giving you a black t-shirt for only 20 bucks. All you have to do is head over to uhcougars.com slash blackout WVU. That's uhcougars.com slash blackout WVU. Don't miss all the pageantry and fun of college football. Come early, enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, and more. Spirit of Houston, of course, performing at the half. The entertainment by cheerleaders Cougar Dawes and Shasta and Sasha. Get a ticket and a black t shirt for just $20. The special expires Sunday, so make sure you get yours today. Go to uhcougars.com slash blackout WVU. uhcougars.com slash blackout WVU. Come early, be loud, and wear black. <laughs> ESPN 97.5 Immunity Bank Studios. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brennan. We'll do an Astros edition of Mailbag Thursday. 713-780-3776. Ask whatever you want about the Astros. 713-780-3776. He's Blank. I'm Branham. We'll also get to some reaction here in a couple of minutes on uh, what Dan Hayes had to say, the Athletics Twins reporter. Also, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is joining us at the top of the hour. He's been killing it. You're not going to want to miss that. Lee Sterling handing you winners and giving you free money. Almost as good as the Killer Bees have been doing in Beasy Money. You won't want to miss that tomorrow. Uh, Brandon T., would you feel as comfortable with the Astros to win this series had Justin Verlander not returned back to the club? I, You know what? I don't think so. I think if they had done nothing at the deadline, if they didn't have JV to add to that pitching staff that desperately needed starting pitching, uh, I probably wouldn't feel as good about this team. And I don't know that this team would be in the position that it's in simply because of the fact that he did... Uh, you know, a ton of work in those last two starts to help them get to the fact that they could avoid the wild card and win the division. So I would say the answer to that, in my opinion, is no. Yeah, I think it's an easy one, right? Like, if Justin Verlander's not starting a game in the series, that means you're probably, if we think that the rotation is JV, Fromber, Javier, and then Urquidy, they've, they've only announced a game one, game two starter. They said Urquidy would be available out of the bullpen, but that doesn't mean he's not starting game four. It means he's out there just in case of emergency. So if we think that's the four-man rotation, then you're starting JP France instead of Justin Verlander. That's, that's a pretty significant yeah. drop-off. So, yes, the odds of the Astros winning this series would take a hit if they didn't acquire Justin Verlander. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, I mean, you think about that, that's not just in this series. That's overall your outlook on how far this team could go and what they could do in the American League and further. I don't think that you'd see a whole lot of confidence from national writers and, and a lot of people prognosticating the, the, the baseball playoffs to think that this would be the same kind of Astros team with the ability to go as far if those are the guys you're choosing from and not having Justin Verlander at the top of that rotation. Dab says if we uh, if the Astros go up 2-0, will Javier start Game 3 or someone else? I still think Javier's going to start Game 3. You've got to see what he's got. And you, you, you also need to know... You know what kind of Javier you're going to get the rest of these playoffs, so you might as well get him out there. I, I, I because I firmly believe that you know if you're up two zero, you're in the driver's seat, 
and then you can worry about the next series and setting up your pitching after that, I would expect to see him in Game 3. Yeah, I don't take my foot off the gas. Like, uh-uh. Even if you have a 2-0 series, that shouldn't change what you're doing. Uh, I, Christian Javier's all but been announced as the number 3 starter. He's going to start Game 3, in my opinion, no matter what. If it's 2-0 Astros, if it's 1-1, if it's 0-2 Twins, Javier, in my mind, is starting Game 3 no matter what. Uh, Ocho on the uh, text line, 713-780-3776. On a scale of 1-10, to 10, how tight do you think the Astros' butt cheeks will get if they don't score first? I don't think they're going to worry about something like that in the playoffs. I don't think if they go down one nothing, I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep or be worried they can't, you know, they can't win the game or get back in the ball game. I mean, we talked about in the regular season that, you know, it was heavily weighted and when they scored first that they won a lot more often, but I think a lot of baseball teams are like that when that, you know, that they can score first and get some momentum. I'm not going to worry about anything from the regular season. I'm not going to be worried if they go down one or two nothing because I believe that this team's offense is as potent as any in the playoffs right now. Uh, maybe less than Atlanta. I'd put them, you know, right up there with Atlanta. And I believe that when, if they're healthy, which it looks like they are, when they can put out the lineup they're capable of putting out there, I'm not going to worry if the other team scores first. So one to ten. Uh, in terms of my the worry level is the high. They, the high worry level is a ten, low worry level is a one. One. I'm at a, I'm at a ten. I think the from from the Astros' point of view, I think their butt cheeks will get tight. I'm at a ten. I'm Do with Ojo really? on this one. Yeah, they, they their record whenever they don't score first is atrocious this year. Yeah, but I'm saying if they go down one nothing, big deal. Their record this year in the regular season is atrocious, and the stakes are higher in the postseason. I think uh, this team has has kind of they, if they don't score first, they've not been good. King of Twitch, uh, will Jake Myers make a base running error in this division series? I hope series. he doesn't get the opportunity. That's where I'm at. I don't, yeah, I'm going to say no because I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Jake Myers. Maybe for defense, like in the ninth inning, we'll do some more uh, mailbag Astro questions in the five o'clock hour. But if you want to get them in, you can seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six because we're a show for you. We're a show of the people. You want to talk Astros? We'll, we'll talk Astros however you want. I want to react to a little bit of what Dan Hayes had to say. Uh, it's no secret that the Minnesota Twins are a pitching first team. Their offense is kind of questionable, quite frankly. Hadn't been very good outside of Royce Lewis, who's a, a phenom. He's a freak. They do have some guys in this lineup, though, that you know we don't really know of, but they're pretty good. Like this Edward, I was I took a deep dive on the Twins today. This Edward Julian guy, rookie. Like, he hits about 270, but he gets on base 38% of the time. He's a guy that can hurt you. Uh, the cure-off guy, he's a guy who can hurt you a little bit. Hit some balls out of the park. Max Kepler as well. Uh, this Walner guy, I never heard of Walner before I looked at their team today. He can hit some balls out of the ballpark. It's kind of interesting that Ryan Jeffers seemingly has taken over the full-time catcher duties. Mm-hmm. Like, Christian Vasquez is on this team, but Vasquez didn't have an appearance in the two games of the wild card series. I imagine he'll catch somebody, but I, I don't think he's gonna. we're going to see him a whole lot compared to Jeffers. But their pitching is legit. This game one starter, the Astros, we talked about it, have to take advantage, whether it's Ryan, whether it's Ober, whether it's Maeda. They have to take advantage of them because Pablo Lopez, who they got in the Luisa Rice trade, he's legit. Sonny Gray had one of the best seasons he's ever had in a really underrated career. And then, like Dan was talking about, the back end of their bullpen is filthy. I would, I would put the back end of their bullpen up with the back end of the Astros' bullpen, quite frankly. Yeah, that that's saying something. And I think a lot of people need to hear that because I don't think a lot of people have seen or know enough about Minnesota Twins baseball because you, you see them so you're so limited in, in seeing them in, in the 162, the way the schedule plays out right now. But, you know, you also see that this team was under 500 for a, a stretch of the season, that the division wasn't very good that they played in. 
but they got some talent and they got some guys and they got some guys that they drafted very highly that they were very highly thought of and a lot of times when you look at it, it's kind of like Seattle when Seattle had guys that they spent a lot of draft capital on and we saw them in the series and, and, and Kelnick and other guys and you were just like eh, are they really anything some of these guys are starting to develop for them they're starting to complement the guys they had the thing that was really interesting to me was that Lewis came up as a shortstop and then they still went out and got Korea. Now they, you know, as Dan said, they used him in center field as well. And I'm just, I was just kind of curious about like the plan. Was that ever in the plan or for him to have the ability to move? They want him to play third, I think now, but it was interesting to me that he was supposed to be the shortstop of the future. And then they went out and got Correa and what their plan was subsequently after that and trying to find a home for him because it seemed like he was the heir apparent to be the long-term shortstop for the Twins. I think it's pretty common. Like, most guys, when they get drafted, are shortstops, and they kind of get moved off the position. Like, the Astros drafted Alex Bregman, and they already had Correa. Like, baseball, you're drafting the best player. Usually the best players, more times than not, play shortstop, and then you kind of figure out the position later. Um, Also, like, I question, like what they thought of Royce Lewis defensively, like range-wise. Well, I don't You put him in center field, too. It's yeah, I mean, he's, he's an athlete. I think that was like they're trying to take advantage of his athleticism. And they also had the Byron Buxton issue where like he wasn't playing a whole lot. And they wanted Buxton to not even play the field this year, just to DH. And then they got later in the year, and they're like, eh, we might need you to play the field a little bit and hurt. And uh, As Dan said, probably not going to play in this. But uh, Royce Lewis is their best offensive player. Correa really had a bad offensive year. Uh, the defensive stuff was down, but I think when he wants to turn it on, he can from a defensive point of view. We saw you know, the defensive prowess he had in that series against Toronto where he made that play at the plate. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable play. You had the whole pickoff situation of Vlad Guerrero. Everybody, I thought, was over-embellishing. Well, you know, the second, the base runner at second couldn't hear the base coach, and Correa told the pitcher, hey, he can't hear the base coach. He's getting too big of a lead. That's not on the third base coach, man. That's on Vlad Guerrero. Yep. Like, if you can't hear the third base coach, be conservative in that spot. I think people were totally overrating the whole oh Minnesota was so loud it led to an out no that was bad base running end of story well you have to you you constantly have to be hyper reactive if you can't hear your coaching staff you have to take an extra couple of looks you know you're it's imperative that you on that base path in scoring position have to have every opportunity to score and the last thing you can afford to do is exactly what he did and get picked off so that's, you're absolutely right it's on him because he's got to pay more attention and, and take an extra look at where the shortstop and or second baseman is, and in this case, the shortstop. And you, you just you can't ever get picked off in that situation. That situation, too, like don't even look at the middle infielders. Just be in a spot where you cannot get picked off. Like that, You can't be picked off in that spot. And he... Bad base running more than it was, you know, great. I mean, the foresight of Correa was great. And Correa has a high, very, very high baseball S2. He's a very smart baseball player. I always thought that was one of his best strengths. I thought that, I thought his IQ was, I thought his arm was. Mound visits, I think we're a bit overrated. 713 780 ESPN HRP listener line 713 780 3776. Let's make you money next. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, handing you out some winners. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.